The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? <laughs> How are you now? Um, the Montreal Canadiens, they lose again. This time by a score of 6-3 to three to the Columbus Blue Jackets on home ice. Uh, <laughs> hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and <clears throat> you know what? Uh, I am pissed off, but uh, I, I don't even have it in me to, to yell and swear and everything about that game like like I might want to. Um, I'm just fed up with it, completely fed up with it. Um, I, I didn't do a recap last game, so I, I'm going to do a recap this game just so you understand where I'm coming from when I get to my, to, to my points at the end there. They, they actually had a decent start to this game, pretty decent. And less than two minutes in, of course, they get on the board. Nick Suzuki gets his own rebound, puts it off a Jackets defender and in. Nice little own goal from below the goal line, and it's one nothing for the Habs. Uh, a few minutes later, though, Patrick Laine bobbles it on the way into the zone, but absolutely rips one short side past Samuel Montembeau, makes it 1-1. About midway through the period, a stinker for Montembeau. Jack Roslovic, uh, he gains the line, just fires a shot on net, uh, goes top shelf. Really, Monty should have had that one. And it's 2-1 to one for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then Jeff Petrie, Habs on a power play. He gives away the puck at the offensive blue line. Eric Robinson goes the other way. Uh, he puts it in through Montembeau, 3-1. to one. That was it for Montembeau on the night. They pulled him after that goal. Um, I agree with that one. I'm not going to argue with that. It was clearly not his night. But it didn't get any better <laughs> at all. Yegor Chinnikov would steal the puck from Kale Clegg a little bit later at the defensive blue line this time, puts it in and makes it 4-1, to one, and that is how the period would end. Now the Habs, they actually tried to mount a bit of a comeback in this game. Second period was pretty much dog shit through and through on both sides, really. It, wasn't, it just wasn't a very good period of hockey. Pretty even overall, which, you know... <laughs> take small victories when you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. So I'll take that as a victory. And guess what? 30 seconds to go in the period. Tyler Toffoli gets them back in it. Well, gets them within two at the very least. Gets a pass in the circle from Arturi Lekkinen. Little half clapper. Puts them up 4-2. to two. Or puts them... Not puts them up 4-2, to two, I wish. Uh, brings the score to within two. Then we go into the third period. Habs are on the penalty kill midway through the period. Arturi Lekkonen and Jake Evans get loose on a two-on-one. Jake Evans throws it across to Arturi Lekkonen. He puts it in, and just like that, it is four to three. The Habs are very much in this game. 
And then after that, they're swarming. They're getting chance after chance after chance. It is the most excited that I've heard Pierre Oud on, on a broadcast all season, pretty much. And of course, right after they're done with their little swarm of chances, uh, Cole Sillinger goes the other way and he scores, makes it 5-3. to three. And the Blue Jackets would add an empty netter to make it 6-3. to three, And that is how it would end. Now, I want to start this off. This, uh, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, as it were. By saying, yes, I understand. And I agree that goaltending was an issue in this game. Especially when you go back to that third period swarm that the Habs put on. They were... I have not I don't think I've seen them play that well in any sequence this season. They were chance after chance after chance. Eunice Corpusalo was was doing everything that he possibly could to keep the puck out of the net. Kudos to him. The the Blue Jackets were on their heels and then immediately the puck goes the other way and it's in the net. Uh, Caden Primo and Samuel Montembeau, we we have to agree neither of them provided stellar goaltending on the night. Right? And that's what a lot of the defenders of Dominique Ducharme have been pointing at for some time. Every time I, I write an article or every time I do a podcast where I say, I think we should be firing this guy as the coach, that's usually one of the things that comes up is like, listen, well, Carey Price is out, Jake Allen is out, he's getting shit goaltending. And that was very true in this game, for sure. There's no way that you can argue against that. So I'm not sitting here... And trying to just move all of the responsibility away from the goaltenders and, and put it all on the coach. But, but, let me just throw you a couple of stats here. Alright, and I'm reading these directly from naturalstatric.com. Shout out to Natural Statric. Wonderful website. They just do a great job. They get their stats out so quick. By the end of the game, you know, three minutes after the game, they've got everything loaded up. I am looking, and, and this is all situations, by the way. I'm not just going to go with the five on five. Because I just want to illustrate this for you, okay? Yes, I understand the goaltending wasn't good. But shot attempts in all situations were 71 to 52 in favor of the Blue Jackets. 71 to 52. Shots were 36 to 35. So the Habs did a little bit better at actually getting their shots on goal than the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets were missing the net quite a bit. But shot attempts heavily favor the Blue Jackets. 57.72% of the shot attempts in the entire game were in favor of the Blue Jackets. That is a surrogate for possession, which tells you, you know, the Blue Jackets had the puck on their stick more than the Montreal Canadiens did. Moving on. That's not the only stat, right? Scoring chances. 36-26. to 26 in favor of the Blue Jackets. They had 10 more scoring chances counted in that game than the Montreal Canadiens. That's 58% in favor of the Blue Jackets. High danger scoring chances. 17 to 9 in favor of the Blue Jackets. So there, eight more high danger scoring chances than the Montreal Canadiens. 65.38% if you like percentages instead of numbers. I ask you... Even if you had stellar goaltending, or let's, let's not go with stellar, even if you had, you know, good goaltending, is that, with those numbers, knowing that, is that a game that you think you should win? I, I don't think so. 
I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to sit there and say with those numbers that you deserve to win. Now, deserve often in hockey has nothing to do with it, right? Uh, deserve doesn't account for things like Carey Price coming in and standing on his head. And obviously, the Montreal Canadiens are sorely missing Carey Price. But there is my point. The Canadians have been relying on Carey Price performing otherworldly feats of goaltending for too long. And we currently have a coach who is still relying on that without even having him. So, honestly, I, I don't see... They have a bye week now. I do not see how Dominique Sham sees the end of that bye week. They have to fire him. It's, you know, Steve Dangle, uh, who... If any of you aren't aware, if you live under a rock in the hockey community, is a very famous Leafs fan and, well, not, not a blogger, but uh, a videographer, I guess, makes makes the LFR videos that are very famous for the games where the Leafs lose and he freaks out about it. He tweeted out, it's, you know, it's it's got to become a pride thing at some point. And I saw that on my feed and I went, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of us are, a lot of us fans, that is to say, are losing our minds we we are watching this game after game after game after game it's the same thing he's he's still coaching like he has you know god mode carry price in net and he doesn't and if you can't adapt you know good teams good coaches they can win games without having stellar goaltending they can at least keep games close expected goals in this game again i'm still on all situations here 5.08 for the Blue Jackets, 2.26 for the Canadians. So both teams outscored their projections. So technically, you could also say that the Blue Jackets didn't have the best possible goaltending, even though I will, again, acquiesce that they had far better goaltending than Montreal in that game. He is coaching as if he has God mode Carey Price. He is banking on the idea of having God mode Carey Price, and he doesn't. And as far as we know, he won't this season. So I get it. I, I get it. I get that a lot of people want to point at the goaltending. And uh, and I'm, I'm honestly with you. I, I, I do understand. I, I saw I watched that game same as everybody else. right? I saw six goals go in. And I honestly think if I had to do a quick count, I'm going to say four of them probably shouldn't have been in the net. Right? So hypothetically, with what I just said, you know, maybe the Habs win that game. But again... When you go back to the stats, right, the the Blue Jackets owned everything. How, how, how do you expect to win? The only way that you're going to win is if you get that stellar goaltending. And that's been the problem in Montreal for far, far too long. That they've never done anything to build a competitive team outside of going, well, we've got probably the best goaltender in the world. Most people say it anyways. Let's just let him take it home for us. We, we, got, we got to stop. We got to break that cycle. And you know what? One of the only ways to do that is is bringing in a new coach. And then the other thing that people like to say is, well, the injuries, the injuries, the injuries. Of course, we've had a lot of injuries. We've had a lot of people missing as a result of COVID. But again, I could forgive the losses and I could forgive the nature of those losses, the the brutal one-sided beatdowns. I could forgive that if he was at least making an effort to develop some of the young players. The three least used players in that game were Michael Pizzetta, Ryan Paling, and Rem Pitlick. They all played under 10 minutes. 
Chris Weidman also played slightly under 10 minutes, but he played longer than those other three. So you have three forwards who are all relatively young. Rem Pitlick, who's been doing quite well since being picked up off waivers. Michael Pizzetta, the only guy on the fucking team who had the balls to do something about Zach Cassian's hit last night. And Ryan Paling, a first-round draft pick who a lot of us are hoping, like, maybe this is the season where he gets a chance to prove himself. And you play them all under eight minutes of ice time. Paling and Pizzetta, barely over five minutes. (laughs) If there's one thing that could, you know, make you forget about the the nature of the losses, again, losing 6-3, losing 8-2, losing 9-1, whatever's coming next, it would be that you could look at the coach and say, well, at least he's developing some of these younger guys, you know? At least he appears to have the future of the team at heart. Now, the only thing that I see there is he seems to have saving his own job at heart. And ironically, you know, the one thing that might be able to save his job is is if he was developing some of those young players, but he seems to refuse to. He breaks up any line that ends up working. He doesn't play the young players. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly don't see him getting through the the bye week here. They don't play again until the 8th of February, so we've got, what, like a, a week? Oh, a week and two days. So 8th of February is next. Not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. So, yeah. I don't see him making it to the end of that. In fact, I, I don't see him getting past... I, I, I would not be surprised if the announcement comes tomorrow. And I hope it does. Anybody who's been listening to this podcast, you already know I hope it does. Anyways, uh, I'm back. I'm back on the same shit I've been on in too many episodes. So I got to move on. What's my silver lining of the night? Well, tonight I can actually pick a silver lining from that game. I know last night I didn't do that, right? I went with Shane Wright's point streak. I'm actually going to pick a silver lining from this particular game. And might not be so surprising, Arturi Lekkanen. He's quietly putting together one of the better seasons that he's had. And he's he's been a very steady, steady player for the Montreal Canadiens uh, ever since they drafted him, basically. Ever since he came over, anyways, from Forlunda. Um, I honestly hope that they don't trade him. I hope they don't. I I know that with the way things are going and, you know, we're, we're probably heading into a rebuild, everybody has to be on the table, right? You have to listen to offers about everybody. But he's one that I just honestly hope they hold on to because I think you need players like him. I think he comes at a reasonable price tag. He doesn't have the crazy offensive totals, but he's very good defensively. I don't think that you're going to get... I, I think of him a lot like the way I think of Jake Evans... I don't think you're going to get the return that you deserve, right? I, I feel like it's, you know, if you had, if you own stock in like Amazon and you sold it at $800 and you were like, wow, I sold my shares for $800. But then, you know, a couple of years later, they're, they're worth $2,000 and you shit. I shouldn't have done that. I feel like that's the situation you'll have with Lekkanen. And sure, maybe you bought those shares at, $40 a piece and you feel real good about selling them at 800 but you'd feel a heck of a lot better if you were benefiting from them getting 
to $2,000, you know? I, I feel like that's the situation with Lekkonen is, you know, yeah, you, you want to buy low and you want to sell high, but you, you also want to try to sell at the peak if you sell at all, right? And I don't think the peak has come for him yet. I think I think he's a little bit slower to develop than others, and, you know, that's not a negative. I just think that he's really coming into his own, and now the, the offense, like the offensive numbers are starting to come, whereas before he just really had the, the defense to hang his hat on. Uh, he, he's one for me where I'd, I'd try to hold on to him. But, of course, again, you know, if the right offer comes along, if somebody throws the moon and the stars at you because they really want to get him because they also like what he brings and they like his price tag, um, then you have to take it. We're, we're going into a rebuild at this point. So that's my two cents. I'd try to hang on to him. Um, whoa. I just realized we're, we're over 16 minutes on this episode, so I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I appreciate you. At about 17 minutes total, uh, this is definitely uh, massive for les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will be back on the 8th of February. Got a nice long layoff. So, until then, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.